are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Carol. Well, last night I had worked through the message a few times, two, three times. And I finally texted my wife in our own house, texting my wife, saying, the message is too long. Could you take a look? I just have done everything I can to try to trim stuff away. And, you know, it's usually this length. It's ended up being this length. So she grabs it, she sits out by the fire, and in a few minutes she comes in, she says, well, that wasn't so hard. (laughs) And I thought, 
wait a minute. How am I supposed to interpret that? <laughs> so uh, when I say amen at the end of this message and we are on time, you can say, thank the Lord for Esther. She has done a great service to us. I wanted to share in this larger reading that probably you're more familiar hearing in what kind of context. Where would you hear these words that Carol just read for us? At a wedding, yeah. I suppose somewhere over the years, maybe 50, 60 weddings that I've done, and this is the clear favorite for good reason. It's a fantastic passage, and yet linking it to spiritual gifts for Paul was a necessity. So delighted to share about this passage with you. And to ask this table question as we start. And as we reflect on that, you've heard this before, I'm sure, as well, that most people on their deathbed do not wish that they would have worked more. Most people at the end of their life are not pounding their fist, wishing they would have just made more money. But no, when we ask this question, what is something that you would like to be true for the rest of your life? The answer is almost always about relationships, not about stuff or status the quality of our relationships, and or the character that's inside us. What kind of person am I? What should be the things that would direct my life? What does success in life really look like? And when I ask that question about a church, what should we be like from here on out? I think, among other things, about the enormity of our spiritual gifts. And what I want to emphasize on this final week in this six-week series is that we have not been talking about special tricks or little dog and pony shows that we can do. We have not been talking just through a passing fade in the 2022 calendar. But no, we're going to see today that spiritual gifts are at the heartbeat level of what a church should be about. In fact, if like a hospital setting, if we were hooked up to one of those vital sign machines, you know, at the bedside, One of the things that would be pulsing and glowing for us as a church community would be our spiritual gifts and their health. So after five, now six weeks today studying this topic, immersing ourselves in Scripture, many of us taking that assessment and discovering or confirming our spiritual gifts, I hope that the reason for their importance is becoming clear. We started this the Sunday after Easter, and we started where we now finish in 1 Corinthians 12. This magnificent chapter where Paul began with the words six weeks ago, now concerning spiritual gifts. In the meantime, we were in 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, Romans 12 with our friend Pastor Bob Puller, and then last week with our own Katie Vick, who is just up here with the kids. Unity and diversity in the body, that middle section of the chapter, and now today the final portion to finish. And yet may it be what we're about today, not just a wrapping up of a sermon series, but that we would trust and ask God that something permanent has happened. Something has shifted in the life of this church body. Something that will affect us for a lifetime to come. That is spiritual gifts from here on out. So with that, we're going to look at the text initially and then move into some application. We begin in verse 27 where Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And we have highlighted this fact that without fail, every chapter that we have looked at has found this phrase popping up, each one of you. And Katie did such a wonderful job last week exercising her spiritual gift for teaching. 
and taking us into that metaphor of the human body that Paul uses. And that's exactly now what Paul restates here. You are the body of Christ. And he would say to us here today, each one of you, those who have trusted and follow Christ, you are part of it. A foot, a hand, an ear, an eye. And Paul had to remind the Corinthians of this. It was a church that was racked with division. If you were to read the whole letter, you would see that they were tolerating certain sin issues in the life of the body. They were misusing spiritual gifts. And one of the areas they struggled with in spiritual gifts was that they ranked the value of some gifts over and above others. Speaking in tongues, this heavenly language that the Holy Spirit has given was at the top of their list. And they felt it somehow proved how spiritual you were. Imagine that if across the room you kind of eye each other up and those who would speak in tongues would be the most spiritual. In fact, in their worship setting, as we read Paul, it seems that people would be kind of jumping up left and right to speak in tongues and try to outdo each other in their spirituality. And it would go uninterpreted, meaning the congregation could not even benefit from that gift. So Paul is bringing in some much-needed correction. In verse 28, he gives a little sampling of the wide range of spiritual gifts. And he says, And God has placed in the church, and then I'm just going to capture it more in bullet point fashion instead of reading it, apostles, prophets, and teachers, miracles and healing, helping and guidance, and tongues, which is the issue at hand in the letter. So apostles, prophets, and teachers, first of all, those are people, spiritual gifts in the form of leaders. Apostles were the individuals appointed by Jesus who'd spent time with him, who recorded the New Testament, and founded the church. And in that sense, we said previously, we don't have apostles beyond the first generation of the church. What we do is carry their foundational ministry with us in the New Testament. But then we get to prophets and teachers. They too are ministering in the early church, but these folks we still do have serving among us. And not a small number of you identified prophecy as one of your spiritual gifts. Then in the list, we'll move quickly, miracles and gifts of healing. These gifts would often appear in the early church in verifying the gospel message as it would arrive to new places and new people would hear. It wasn't limited to that, but it's where we often would find them showing up. Now a question for you. Do miracles and healing still show up today? Or is it like apostles? Something just past tense. Absolutely. Absolutely these things exist today. Next on the list we have the gift of helps and then what the NIV translation calls guidances. And if you were to check the NASB or the ESV, you would see administration instead of guidances. And that matches up with our assessment. Both of these gifts... Helps and administration were in the top five of our congregation. One of our leaders, J.C. Tiki, from our leadership team, he quipped that in his family of six, there are four with the gift of administration and two with the gift of helps, including J.C. So he says, basically, it means four people are telling the other two people what to do. Another fun story from our church. There is a woman who has been helping Esther and I and our family on a weekly basis for the past six months. And our family has needed a lot of helping with some of the changes. And she took the assessment and it showed helps. 
as one of her top gifts. Well, she thought maybe helps didn't sound too remarkable and was kind of thinking she'd retake the assessment and just see if she would get something else in its place. But she took the assessment again and it said helps. She took the assessment four times and every time helps appeared in her top results until she finally accepted it. If you have the gift of helps, you, my brother or sister, are practically minded. You roll up your sleeves. You love to serve people. Fills your tank. And this is what I want to point out. It is not a lesser gift. It is just as important as teaching, prophesying, or leading. Because if nobody has the gift of helps, JC, who would get anything done, right? We need this gift. Last on the sample is tongues. Paul finishes here because it is the problem he wants to address and has been addressing in this letter. And he's showing them essentially, even by listing it last instead of the top of the list, see, tongues is not any more special or spiritual than the other gifts. Now we, and I know I'm speaking to a whole bunch of Lutherans and Catholics who uh, are part of this church family, we should be careful not to downplay the gift of tongues. Just because they had overemphasized the gift and Paul is bringing it back down to earth, it doesn't mean that we should overcorrect and not value this gift within our own church family today. Just because somebody has oversalted the dish doesn't mean that you remove salt from your kitchen. Now at this point in the text, we're going to see Paul hinge on this reference to tongues and he says in verse 31, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And we maybe read that and look twice and say, why would he say greater gifts? I thought the the whole point we've been making is that gifts are not ranked. Why is he saying greater? Well, what Paul is doing is using the Corinthians' error, their language, to make his point. And he's saying, okay, if you want to talk about greater gifts, to use your term, then actually the greater gifts would be those that have more direct edification for the assembled church. People spouting off in tongues, no interpretation is offered. Paul says you should really be desiring the gifts that will show up in a very practical and straightforward fashion. The ones they've been neglecting. And that sets the stage for this segue into chapter 13. Where he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now we're not going to go verse by verse through chapter 13. But I do want to show you how spiritual gifts show up in one of the most famous chapters of the Bible. So that's what we'll look for. Verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, speaking in tongues has been their issue, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Made me think back to that song where Christopher Walken, he asks for more cowbell. Cultural reference that probably dates me, but... Any band knows the importance of having the right mix, the right balance. Because you could have the most talented musicians in the world, and yet if the sound isn't right, it doesn't matter. Katie referenced this with the kids in a different kind of way. If we don't have love, Paul says, well, you could teach or you could speak in tongues until you're blue in the face and it wouldn't do any good. The only context for spiritual gifts, the only place they will do any good is in a church that knows how to love. Let's go to his next example in verse 2. 
If I have the gift of prophecy, spiritual gift, and can fathom all mysteries, words of wisdom, and all knowledge, another spiritual gift, and if I have a faith, many of you discovered faith as one of your top spiritual gifts, if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Do you see how saturated this passage is with spiritual gifts? The great First Corinthians commentator Gordon Fee says, The love affair with this love chapter has allowed it to be read regularly apart from its context, which he says does not make it less true, but causes one to miss too much. So let me ask you, does this chapter apply to a couple who has it read at their wedding? I almost couldn't resist. Marriage from the princess bride. Does it apply to marriage? Well, sure it does. And when this text comes up at a wedding, I try to remember to remind wedding guests that these words were written not to a husband and wife, but to a church community. And I want to remind us today, even more specifically, not just a church community, but one in the context of spiritual gifts. With that in mind, we're not going to read that whole paragraph, but it is exactly with that in mind that Paul then says, love is patient. Love is kind. And on it goes. Are these words for marriage? Yes, they are. But for the church even more. And though it's often read, this passage is read, not just for its content, but its towering rhetoric, we would do well to remind ourselves that love is not some poetic abstraction. Not for Paul, not for the Bible. Love is not some philosophical musing here that sounds good in a wedding ceremony. It is not a reference to a romantic feeling. No, love is action. And the greatest act of love ever on display was when Jesus came to give his life for us on the cross. The same Jesus who said in John's Gospel, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, he says, if you love one another. Let's read on in verse 8. Paul says, But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, spiritual gift of knowledge, it will pass away. Why will spiritual gifts cease and pass away? Why does he say this? Well, because here is where we need them. For this era, on the earth, for the church to carry out its mission. Once we're in heaven, spiritual gifts are superfluous. In heaven, you and I have arrived. We're home in the very presence of Jesus. But guess what, Paul says? Guess what won't pass away? Love. The need for spiritual gifts will fall away, but love is forever. In the 1940s, there was a single lady who worked for a struggling diamond company, and she was in their marketing department, and she woke up one night with a stroke of genius, and she grabbed a scrap piece of paper from the nightstand, and she scrawled out what she thought might work as a slogan for the company, a diamond is forever. 
Today, De Beers Diamond Company is worth $5.6 billion. But not even a diamond is forever, Paul would say. Only love. That's why he says in the last verse, verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Faith and hope, like spiritual gifts, are for the here and now. But our faith and hope will be fulfilled that day when we go home to be with the Lord. Faith and hope, too, will be fulfilled and fall away. And it is love, then, that is forever. Because His love is what God created us for. To know His love in relationship and in fellowship with one another. So as we move into application, uh, because this is our last Sunday studying spiritual gifts, at least in the form of this series, there are some final application points that we want to make. The first of which is this. Would you like to see how our results came in? I thought that would be fun in the last week. We've had many, many of you turning in your top three, your results, whatever those were. That helped us put together our spiritual gifts workshop. We were able to add them into our church directory. That's called Y Connect. So you could do that yourself too, by the way. You can either email the church office at info at thewhychurch.org or go into your Y Connect profile, click on Actions, and then under My Fit, you can click the boxes for your spiritual gifts. But what a treasure, and thank you for sharing those with us too, that we now have this picture of spiritual gifts across this church body. And I found myself for the first time ever in 12 years, a ministry opportunity came up. And it could have been in any area. This was specific to prayer ministry. And I found myself saying, oh, now who are our intercessors? Because we need them for this. Let's give them a call. Let's let them know. So here, according to our assessment, our top results, there are 16 spiritual gifts that were listed We're not going to list them all now, but just maybe the top seven. Number one, our top spiritual gift, by some margin, is the gift of faith. And I thought, what a joy that we have so many mountain movers in this church family, so many who have, according to the definition, the God-given ability to act on His promises and an unwavering belief in His ability to fulfill His purposes. Praise God for the gift of faith. I can't wait to see how this gift and many of you will lead us into the future. Next on our list, the second most prevalent gift. JC has some company. It was the gift of helps. Number three, mercy. Number four, encouragement. Five, administration. Six, discernment. And seven, words of wisdom. That's our top seven. Now, if your top gift was not on that list, that should tell you something. That would tell us that you have a spiritual gift that not many others have in this church body. And so don't let it fly under the radar. We need you. One of my favorite discoveries is that of all the people who sent in their results and let us know and we filled those in, there was one single spiritual gift out of 16 that only had one check mark next to it. Meaning of all those who responded, there was only one person who had this result on their assessment. And listen to this. He is a middle school boy. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you either what the gift was or who he is. We'll just let that be a fun little mystery. But what a gift that God has entrusted to that young man. And we will all benefit from his gift. Next takeaway from the series. We now have this great assessment tool. We're going to keep it so it will be here on an ongoing basis. And I had looked at a number of resources and assessments and do believe this is the right tool for us to use. But you maybe notice that not every spiritual gift that is referenced that we've looked at is named on that assessment. Now some of them are easy to understand why they would do that. Like apostleship. Because that is a first generation of the church gift. So that makes sense. Other gifts were left off due to the nuances of biblical interpretation. Like miracles and healing. Neither of those, you maybe noticed, appeared on the assessment. And without getting too far into the weeds of that decision, it has to do with the distinction between a spiritual gift that someone carries indefinitely as their gift versus a spiritual gift that is the manifestation of the gift itself. And I know that's a mouthful, but you might remember from week one that they're literally translated workings of miracles and gifts of healings. All phrased that way, all in the plural. So we understand why the assessment didn't include it, and yet, I think it is good to ask this question if maybe we miss something if it doesn't appear there. So we're going to add it to the options on why connect. The same for the gift of tongues, speaking and interpreting the gift of tongues. They don't appear on the list. And I believe it's probably more of a theological decision by the publishers. Not that they were denying that it exists, but probably so that they could most widely distribute this to a whole variety of churches. So we're going to add tongues as well because I know that there are some folks here who have this spiritual gift. So in Y Connect, if that's you, you can check that option. We're going to add healing, miracles, tongues, and a few other things as well because scholars across the board agree that spiritual gifts do not appear in an exhaustive catalog. None of the lists we have in the New Testament are complete and they're not complete altogether. As we look into the Bible, we see evidence of other things that we would call spiritual gift. So we've added some new options in Y Connect. Music is a spiritual gift, leading in worship. Art, craftsmanship, Deliverance, that is those who can help people break free from spiritual oppression. And we've added interpretation of dreams or visions, like we see in Joseph or Daniel. Next under application, I'd like us to address how is it that these spiritual gifts and their variety overlap with serving and volunteering? We have had a challenge along with so many churches since COVID, with having enough people on our serving teams. That has been a trend in our country, across the nation. At the same time, I also just want to know, you to know for the sake of transparency, this is not why we decided to do a series on spiritual gifts. We didn't say, well, we got to fill some spots on our volunteer teams and then cloak it in spiritual language. I assure you that was not the case. But there is this overlap of serving, and spiritual gifts. They're not the same, but they do this. And we have it right in the subtitle of our message series. Serving the common good for the glory of God. 
And so I share this to say that we desire to be a healthy and vibrant congregation where we effectively carry out the ministry of the church. And I thought Pastor Bob two weeks ago, he shared it so well when he commended our setup team. And I saw some of our men, especially a lot of our guys serve on that team, sitting up a little bit in their chair. He commended our setup team because he recognized and called out the fact that setting up tables and chairs is not just mundane grunt work. It is a ministry. It is a witness to all who come into this space when this is prepared for us as a sanctuary for worship. So when we talk about our serving teams, I do want to highlight our top four needs as we move into summer. And these may translate for you onto one of those hands where you could jot something down. Specifically, maybe you're new to our Y Church community. Maybe you haven't been serving in a while or you would be new to a serving team. So think about some of these things. Probably our top four areas would be, number one, our tech team. And that is the folks who are back there. Michaelin, Jacob, Becky is our trio today. Projection would be key. That's flipping through the slides. Then we have running live stream, and we have mixing sound. We would love to add to that team. Number two, hospitality. Those who warm up this space so it doesn't just feel like a gym when we walk in. Hospitality is tending to the centerpieces on your tables. They are tending to the connections table. And what an important ministry they have. Number three, breakfast. Over the years, we have thought about, well, should we still do breakfast? You know, as the church grows, breakfast gets a little harder to do. And the resounding answer has come back, no, we should keep breakfast. So many people mention to be welcomed with a little breakfast as they come into worship is something unique to this place. Very special. Number four would be setup. The aforementioned setup team. One of our biggest teams and absolutely essential unless we all want to just try a Sunday sitting crisscross applesauce on the gym floor. <laughs> See how that works. <laughs> Setup's a great way to get to know people. You don't have to be a heavy lifter if that's not you. Dads, I want to point out this is a great way for you to serve with your kids, maybe in particular your sons. But reflecting on these serving teams, I would also point out, and we know this culturally, that there are a lot of things that can pull at our ability to show up and serve. There really are in the time and place where we live. And if we're not careful, here's something that came into view maybe in the last couple of years. If we're not careful, we could end up being a church with a whole lot of us who show up for worship like about a Sunday a month. And hear my heart in this. I'm not at the door with a clipboard tracking attendance. But what we're pointing out is that we could be a church of 300 to 500 on paper, but only ever 150 at a time. And I say that out of concern for our spiritual health because it is really hard to grow spiritually with minimal commitment. By analogy, just look at my golf game. I golf one time a year at the Young Life Golf Tournament. <laughs> My poor teammates. Well, that's enough for now. There was more, but thanks to Esther. And yet, my friends, let's not shelf spiritual gifts because it's a wrap on a message series. 
I feel like these past six weeks, God has entrusted something to us to equip and strengthen us for ministry. And I want to tell you, if I could pause and look at each of you in the eyes, I would tell you that we need you. What did Paul say again and again? Each one of you has a vital role to play. And I'm so glad, first of all, that God made you part of his family. And secondly, that he made you part of his family here at the Y Church. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we receive this gift from your word. It has been a rich study, Lord. Not because of the words of man, but Lord, because your spirit has opened our eyes. You've put a new passion and fire into our step, Lord. I think of the emails and the text messages that I've received over these past six weeks. Men and women and students and kids discovering their spiritual gifts. Lord, and we pray that we would exercise these things at a whole new capacity. And that in our gifts, you would be glorified. Your kingdom would be built. And the world would see, Lord, that this is a place that is different. In a world that has so much heartache and tragedy, Lord, may this be a place that is different because your love dwells here. We thank you, Lord, for equipping us that you, by the blood of your Son, would count us worthy to be about your kingdom business. We praise you and we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.